inspiration in your words, that your heart will flow through him, that his words will, uh, that his words will carry, uh, will, will, will carry your heart, will carry your spirit. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what? Be prepared for everything changing. Amen. You know, it, it, believe it or not, in my conversation, we, we, I got up a little late. It was a, this birthday party. It really wore us out. And it's all that cleanup afterwards and everything else. And, and I woke up this morning, and I actually, actually was sound asleep almost till 8 o'clock. And, we, and I came down, and I said, Nancy, I, I just woke up tired. And, um, and really, these words came out of my mouth. I said, hey, we should just take a day off today. And then everything changed. Everything changed. I, all of a sudden, I get a text. I got a text this morning from Cal, who's supposed to be preaching this morning, and says, sorry, folks, uh, I'm not feeling well. I'll see you Easter Sunday. So I text him back kind of jokingly. I said, well, Todd, I mean, well, Cal, you're supposed to be giving the message today. Said, oops, oops. But you know what? God has a plan. All things work together for good, don't they? And I was able to encourage Kelly. I said, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. The Lord is up to something. So I, I, my mind started spinning. I said, well, you know, what, what's the next idea? You know what? I love training and building people up and, and giving them uh, some things to do they haven't really planned for. I said, Nancy, I'm going to call Todd. He needs, he needs to come and give a spontaneous message with no preparation. So I called Todd and said, I'm in Florida. (laughs) Okay, all right, that's not working. So so I looked at Nancy, I said, you know what? You know what? God's amazing. And I just begin to worship him for, Lord, you're going to use me today. You're going to use me today. And and then, uh, and then we, then, I started figuring out what to do, and 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 next Sunday I, I had a I had a plan for next Sunday, and, and but yeah, I had a little questions in my spirit about after having a great breakfast and everything else, and and really what God was building in my heart, I had a little thought in my mind, it it the atmosphere may not be right for that for next Sunday. And and that was going through my mind. So then, so then uh, I get a call from Jerry, and he says, and he he had some thoughts about what we should do this Sunday morning. And now I said, you know, Lord, I I love Jerry, and I and I know he hears from God. And now I, I'm sitting in this place with maybe two directions for this morning. And and then Nancy was a last minute thing for the kids. Says. Uh, well, we, we, we're already late. We're going to miss prayer. Can you go to Target and pick up this DVD for the kids? I said, okay. So I'm driving there in a car. I said, you know, Lord, you know, here, here's two things, and they're both really good. Just lead me to what we're supposed to do this morning. This is, this is a very unusual Sunday morning. And so as I, as I was pressing into God, I... I I, I, I felt we should be doing this way, but in my high respect for leaders in this church, I had to 
hear from Jerry this morning and, and somehow Holy Spirit lead us into a place of agreement. And we had that conversation, so we agreed on what this Sunday morning should be. And that comes to this message you're about to hear. That I thought I was going to do it next Sunday, but in God's great plan, it's to be delivered this Sunday. Holy Spirit, we want all that you have for us. Father, we thank you, Father, that we can trust you completely with everything that's going in our lives, Father. And Father, I just ask you, Lord, as we go through these scriptures, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal truth to us. Father, I bow before your throne of grace and submit myself and the words that come out of my mouth all to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> and uh, where we're going this morning is, I think, one of the most profound, greatest words that came out of Jesus' mouth. And they came while he was hanging on a cross. And we're going to build up to the, the, that little statement that all of us have to get a hold of the fullness of what he said. And then this journey is going to lead us to it is finished. It is finished. Let's see what God has for us. He, uh, he said seven statements while hanging on the cross, while completing the fullness of the task that God intended for his son to go through. So these statements that he said, they must be weighty. They must be weighty, and they are weighty. And the first thing he said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So the opening statements as he hung there was all about forgiveness. All about forgiveness. And the Son of God, as he was hanging there on, on the cross, was declaring to you and me, you see, the people were doing something very terrible to him. And the, and the, and the punishment that he went through and, and the thorns driven into his skull and the whippings on his back and, and the mocking from their lips. And he said, you know, in, in, in that, those people in not full knowledge of what was actually happening that day, the Son of God would say, forgive them because they haven't figured it out yet. They haven't figured it out yet. So you and I may have words spoken to us from people, uh, and it's really hard when it comes from the body of Christ, and it's also hard when it comes from outside the body of Christ. But the whole idea of being forgiven is, is core to what Jesus did when he came, in a, 
came in his, the Father's plan for him. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And yet, he is declaring to those who did this awful thing to him, he's asking his Father, you forgive them. You forgive them. And it's something that needs to be demonstrated in our lives. The second thing he said when he talked to the man on his right and a man on his left, you know what? There's no in-between about knowing God or not knowing him. Here Jesus is in the middle. A man on his right, a man on his left. Man, one side, we'll just call it the left side. He said, I, you know, if you're the son of God, you come off that cross and save us too. And the man on his right said, you have no idea what you're saying. And he asked a question. He asked a question that all of us have to answer. Would you remember me? Will you remember me? And, uh, and so his, the whole work of the cross has not been completed, but Jesus knew the fullness of that work and said, Today, I truly say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There is something after life for all of us who believe. And, and, and that man received the gift of love and forgiveness and salvation right there dying alongside the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The next thing he said, um, I needed, and Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby. And he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. Connection. One thing, now for 2,000 years, and I hope all of us really understand the concept that we are brothers and sisters to each other. You know, and, and he was defining that relationship from the cross when he looked at John, he looked at his mother, and he said, you know what? What I'm accomplishing that he said, John, look at your mother. Mother, look at your son. A connection that only can happen through the new birth. That Michael's brother, man. You know, and really an older brother, right? So, so, so it's, a, it's, it's this idea of family. This idea of family. God, God has, has created an environment when we become born again that, that, uh, that, that, that it's a brand new connection. It's a brand new connection. And that's why, that's why in the family of God, sometimes you'll feel closer to people that are outside your bloodline or family line. You'll feel closer to them than even the ones that are in your family. Because there's something uniquely happens. You know, it, it, um, it was, um, and I remember a story that, that really defined this. I, I remember a story about uh, years ago, there was another war called the Korean War. 
And, and the Korean War was, uh, America got involved and there was fighting and all that stuff. And, and, and a, a group of North Koreans entered a little village just across the border of South Korea. And, and their goal, one of their goals in entering this village is they found a prominent believer and they tied him to a post. And they said, you need, in, in mockery, you need to deny Jesus. You need to deny Jesus that he ever existed, that he ever did miracles. That you need to deny Jesus. And he says, I can't, I won't deny Jesus. Even if you kill me, I won't deny Jesus. And then uh, the officer in charge says, he came up with a plan. All right, you're willing to die for Jesus. But are you willing to see your wife, I mean, your children die for Jesus? He said, I will not deny Jesus. So one by one, he took his children before his eyes. And he said, your whole Jesus thing, your Jesus thing, uh, you're, you're going to never forget this time. And they shot his children as he watched it happening. And he never denied Jesus. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. But then a whole bunch of years pass. A whole bunch of years pass. And all of a sudden, Billy Graham decides to have a crusade in Seoul, Korea. And, and for Billy Graham, it was the largest crusade as far as number of people showed up than in all his ministry. In fact, they had to do it at an airfield in Seoul, Korea. And the, the count, you know, you try to estimate counts, but they, Billy Graham never expected that nearly a million people showed up on that airbase. Just a flood of people. And he preached the gospel. In preparation for that event, someone from the Billy Graham organization was put in charge to, to organize and do the event. To the surprise, to the surprise of a pastor in a church in Seoul, Korea, was he introduced to the man that was supposed to organize this thing was the man that shot his children before his eyes that had become a Christian. You know what? This brother and sister thing is bigger than we think. As he, he looked at him and he remembered him, and the man held his hand out to shake his hands, he said, I kind of held back, and I said, he's the guy. He's the one that killed my children. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit revealed him. But praise God, now he's given his life to Jesus. Maybe, maybe my testimony of not rejecting the name of Jesus had part of that journey in store for that man. He took his hand out and shook him. And these two that 
could have been bitter enemies together, put together that crusade in Seoul, Korea. Amazing, amazing the words that he said. Son, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. It, 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 it's more than we can think or imagine. And it goes back to that forgiveness thing, Lord, that, that we can forgive the power to forgive the people that hurt us the most. Or hurt us the most. Then, at the at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was pain in the brutal beatings. There was pain in the nails driven through his hands and his feet. But no one, we could never comprehend the pain of Jesus taking my sins, your sins, and all the sins of the people that would come to him on himself. For a moment in time, for a moment in time, his father had to turn his face and gaze from his son because he who knew no sin became sin for you and I. For a once and for all. For a once and for all. For a once and for all. And then later, knowing that the things had now been finished, so the scriptures would be filled, he said, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. And, you know, they, they tried to give him something that was uh, sour uh, wine or vinegar. And, and, and he, he thirsts. And, you know, and, and in, in a, kind of in a way, he could have been longing for the culmination or the completion of the task set before him. And, and probably thirsty to know and come to, you know, after all, he just said, why have you forsaken me? Thirsty to regain the unbroken relationship with the Father and the Son. He knew things were ready to be accomplished. He was thirsty for all that it meant to him to accomplish what the Father's will for him was. Then the next thing was when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And he called out in a loud voice, Father, unto your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Here's the point, guys, for next Sunday. All this 
these words that came out of Jesus' mouth, all these words that came out of his mouth, all ended up with, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. You know, it's, uh, you know, it, in, in life, when we're given tasks, when, when uh, Chuck is done with a job and it's all done to completion, you hope people are never call you back to do some tweaking. But, but he, he leaves a place and he gives, gives the person the homeowner and says, it's finished, I'm done. You know, it's finished means it's finished. Now, going forward in 2022, for all of us as a church, I want us to come to that place where all of us really embrace the fullness of it's finished. And all of us, myself included, sometimes we may focus on things and we say, I'm facing the impossible. I'm facing the impossible. You know, Peter's, medically speaking, Parkinson's, is they really don't have a cure for it. My brother Peter, he's having some trouble with dementia, and there's no really magic pill to take care of it. There's uh, 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 Wayne's facing some things and some unknowns, and he's believing for the best. It's, uh, it's, we all have these, let's say he said it's finished. Sometimes we might reflect on the unfinished. And what I'm trying to tell ourselves and myself included, that as we go forward in 2022, let's embrace the God of it's finished. Let's embrace the God, it's finished. And what does that, what does that mean to embrace the God that's finished? It's finished. Whatever you're praying for and begging God for and it hasn't happened, hasn't happened, remember, remember it's finished. Remember it's finished. You know, it's, um, it's, uh, it, you know, and, and this, this kind of thing here, in, in, there's a theme of this in Scripture. Way back the prophets were declaring the work that Jesus would accomplish in this life. And, and in the area of healing, in the area of healing, the prophets are prof- prophetically speaking forward and saying, by his stripes, we will be healed. Amen. Amen. You know? By, and, and then all of a sudden, when, when in the Gospels, when there's a reference to that, when we're, we're, there's a reference to that, I, he would say, hmm, that's what the prophet spoke. By his stripes, we are healed. And Jesus, Jesus actually operated in the gift of healing and he knew his assignment. And that's why was, when Twyla mentioned the man with leprosy, uh, he said, uh, are you willing? Jesus would say, yes, of course I'm willing. I'm here, present with you guys. I'm here. I'm the healer. 
I'm the one that does this. I'm, I'm the one that prophets said long ago, the Messiah would come, and he'd have the healing gift in him. And he said, he would say, that, that connection is true. It's right, true. So I can do nothing less than say, sir, I'm willing. Sir, I'm willing. And the man was instantly healed. And you know what? In all these words he's saying about family and connection and all that, how about, how about Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of God, the Son of the living God, when a woman was brought before him and said, this woman is very loose. She's committed adultery, not just one time, but many times. And the law says, she needs to be stoned. What do you say? What do you say? He said, anybody perfect here? No perfect ones here, are they? <laughs> we're, we all, we're all going through life, right? And he says, you throw the first stone. And they all walked away. And Jesus said, ma'am, where are your accusers now? He said, they all, they've all left. Wow, what came out of his mouth? Woman, neither do I. Neither do I. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Amen. Amen. Acting that out. But the epistles, when we get to the epistles... We get the epistles. The prophet said there's going to be a Messiah coming. There's going to be a Messiah coming. And by his stripes you will be healed. Jesus knew who he was. And he never denied healing. Never. He ne never denied healing. Look, check the record out. Anybody that came to him... In some references, we don't even know who they all are, but it says they all were healed. And he said he was, he was actually doing his assignment, and he said, you are healed. I'm present with you. I'm present with you. Something happened on the cross. Something happened when he shouted out, it's finished. And then the writers of the epistles, particularly Peter, could, could in good conscience and knowledge of who Jesus was and walking with him for a number of years, could in complete confidence and say, by his stripes you were healed. So it's finished. So it's finished. I, I, uh, you know, I, I can go, I go on and on. I don't want to go on and on with all, all the things that I have to say that in my life that are, you just cannot deny it was Jesus. Amen. You cannot deny it's Jesus. And, and yet, sometimes myself, I said, wow, I, I, I wish that every time 
And I saw just healing just happening so radically wild and crazy. Fine, right? That song? Something crazy going to happen? Wild? Yeah, that, 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 that would be our reality. That would be our reality. And, and, yet, and yet, you and I, you and I can spend more time focusing on one, what didn't happen rather than the God that says it will happen. You know, it's, it's uh, and, and we as a, we're a small church. I, I imagine big churches maybe have bigger issues than this. But, but here we at the gathering place, we have before us, we have my brother, we have, we have Peter, Wayne issuing something, and you know, all. We have before us some impossibles, right? And yet, Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. The, in the epistles, it says, what he accomplished has already been done. By his stripes, we were healed. Do we believe? Not, my problem is for me, do I really believe that? Do I really believe when, when things come in my life that really the promises it's already happened when in reality it hasn't? Let's bring our hasn'ts into it's finished. Let's all of us bring those impossible, impossible into the possible. Let's as a church Right, and, and I, you know, you heard me say this before. I believe the Holy Spirit is rising up faith in this place, and 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 how is how does what is faith for, and what what is the operation? Faith, faith is actually in our hearts, in our very being, believing in a God of the impossible. And having having that that place, I I uh, uh, I saw a testimony on TV the other day that really touched my heart, really touched my heart, and I hope it will touch your heart because uh, this mother and dad dad were faced faced with an impossible, and and they had two boys, they had two boys, and both of the boys were born autistic. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't go anywhere. They, could, they were afraid to even go to a restaurant because to, to, they were afraid of what might happen with their two boys just acting out their craziness. And he said their, their life, their, they, they just didn't know where to turn. They didn't know. And they were Christians, but they said, you know what? The, we went doctor after doctor after doctor, and they said, there, there's really nothing we can do with your two sons. You're just going to have to figure it out. And then, and then they said, the mother said, and my husband and I were saying, when they're adults and we're gone, what's going to become of our two boys? We love our two boys, but they, but they have this birth defect of autism. 
So they dared, they dared, the two of them, they dared to believe the God of the impossible. They dared to believe the God of the impossible. And, and it was just chilling for Nancy and I to watch this. And they said, they said they started reading scripture after scripture after scripture about all the miracles that Jesus did and all this thing. And it came to the realization that, yeah, Peter, when he said, by his stripes you were healed. So they, they took the boldness of speaking into their two sons' lives and saying, this is not who you are. This is who you will be because it's already taken place. And they said, and they said it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Nothing was happening for years. Nothing was happening. But they were saying, God, you said it's finished. You said the work's finished. I just declare our two sons to be, you know, I hate the word normal in calling autism abnormal. It's, it's a, it's a, but they, they would, for lack of words, they would say, Father, we see our sons normal. And it, and and it, it was um, it was a journey for them. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. We're not in an environment here where boom, you know, we just have our God. We just throw the things up. Boom. Yeah. Sometimes you and I have to walk through things. And as we're walking through these things, our faith be that little faith of a mustard seed starts growing and starts growing and starts growing. And we, and we say, Lord, you know, the doctors are telling my two boys they're destined, they're destined. This is their destiny. How, how in the world are they going to care for themselves? What's going to happen? And they, so they got to, and, and I love the prophetic gift here. I love the prophetic gift here. All of a sudden they made a call to somebody and somebody had a prophetic word, a prophetic word about your sons are going to be okay. Just keep on believing. And they said they, they took that prophetic word and they held on to it. And still months and years pass until one day they ventured out of their house to go have a meal at a restaurant. And to their surprise, both boys were very different at that meal. They said, wait, they're not acting out their autism. They're actually ordering the food. They're actually, and they, they were like pinching themselves. They said, what, what's, what's going on here? Wait, both of them. Both of them. They're talking to each other. What? Something happened. What happened? What happened? And, they, and chills came through the father and mother. And they said, what just happened? What just, I, it appears that the impossible just happened. So the two boys were acting very differently the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. So they decided to take both boys to the clinical psychologist 
to retest them. To retest them. And the psychologist, as he retested them, said, wait a minute, I see the report, autism. It's not here. And they struck the record out that these boys had autism. And written by the doctor said, these boys psychologically are normal. That's the God that we serve. That's a God that I want to encourage you and myself, myself, when we come into the impossibles of life, that it would ring in our spirit loud and clear. It's finished. It's finished. Everything we need in life and to, for the next life has been completed at the cross when Jesus gave up his life and shed his blood for our behalf. So next Sunday, next Sunday, I want to come together. we we'll have a great meal together. And we're going to come into this room and declare to ourselves and to the Father the fullness of it's finished. Right? For, it's for us. For us. It's for us. And, 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 and the fullness of it's finished it's finish, is available to all of us. It's all of us. So whatever it is, you know, just things broken off of us. Addictions, gone, done. We don't have to be a, we don't have to be a slave to an addiction. We don't have to be a slave to what the medical science says there's no medication for it. We don't have to be uh, just bound by, by uh, fear and worry. Next Sunday, for all of us, we're going to put an end to the impossibles of our life. Is that, you agree with, are you in agreement? We're going to come, just bring it to an end. The impossibles are no longer impossible. The impossibles are possible. Because Jesus, because of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, that put us into perfect relationship with him, that we are loved, we are favored, we are forgiven, we have the hope that is in Jesus. He, he wants to grab a hold of our lives and so we can walk in love and forgiveness. Basically in our own life, I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I've been set free, I've been cleansed, I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I have access, unbroken access to the Father that loves us deeply. He loves us deeply. That's why in Hebrews it says we can go to his throne with confidence. I want to bring that confidence level up to all the impossibles that we might view the impossibles of our life are possible in him. Amen? Amen? So, Father, in Jesus' name, uh, if you listen to this on the Zoom and you have never given your life to Jesus, 
I want to give you that opportunity. It's a matter of, like in a spontaneous worship. How did I go? It's just uh, here I am, something. <laughs> that one you were saying. What I, uh, <laughs> uh, let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Just a matter of letting Jesus in. Don't resist him. Don't push him back. Let him in. And let him into all your impossibles. Because, uh, and, and I, the reality is, you and I are capable of restricting him. I'm saying faith rise up in this place and let him in the impossibles of our lives. And if you've heard this, Jesus loves you. Jesus gave it all for you. And Jesus wants you to let him in. Let him in and know all he can do in your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, and God bless you all.